Welcome to Bible Curious, a fresh look at an ancient text, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible and where did it come from? What claims does it make about God? And who is this character God anyway? What message might this God have left for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken. I never went to Bible school, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to reveal this story to me from a new perspective, one that isn't taught in Bible school. So hold on to your hats. This ride might get a little wild. Today, we will be reading from Matthew chapters 3 and 4 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 3, Introduction After Jesus spends his childhood moving around the ancient world to avoid detection by King Herod of Judea, his stepfather Joseph finally settles down in Nazareth and we hear nothing more about Jesus' life until he reappears as an adult at the River Jordan, where his cousin John the Baptist greets him, sparking a chain reaction of miraculous events. This chapter includes the mission of John the Baptist, the baptism of Jesus. Chapter 3 In those days, John the Baptizer came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make the way of the Lord ready, make his paths straight. Now, John himself wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Then, people from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, You, offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, produce fruit worthy of repentance. Don't think to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now, the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you in water for repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn up 
with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But John would have hindered him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus, answering, said to him, Allow it now, for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up directly from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming on him. Behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew continues invoking the prophet Isaiah because Isaiah was the strongest ancient voice to proclaim the coming of a Jewish Messiah. Isaiah chapter 40 begins, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make the way of the Lord ready, make his paths straight. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. His ministry promised hellfire and damnation for sinners, but John also offered to baptize people in the river Jordan, which would cleanse people of their sins. This surprised Jewish teachers because according to ancient scripture, only the blood sacrifice of animals could atone for sins. When Jesus presents himself to John to be baptized, John protests, but Jesus insists that he too must be cleansed. Now, why would Jesus require baptism? Jesus' only explanation is that this is a fitting way to fulfill all righteousness. After the baptism, a number of miraculous events take place. Jesus rises out of the water, the heavens open, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and a voice speaks out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. All four gospel accounts testify to this event, and it is actually only the second time in the entire Bible where God himself speaks in front of a public audience, the other incident being in the 15th century BC when Yahweh speaks the Ten Commandments from the top of Mount Sinai. What did God say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we learn, by the testimony of God himself, that Jesus is his very own son. Another very important fact we learn about God is that he is capable of interbreeding with a human female. What does this tell us about God? And what does it tell us about ourselves? Genesis chapter 1 tells us God created man in his own image. What does that mean? It means we look just like our Heavenly Father because we are the same species. Let us not forget. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 4, Introduction After Jesus receives baptism from John the Baptist, he fasts 40 days in the wilderness in preparation to begin his earthly ministry. It is here 
that Jesus encounters the devil, an enigmatic figure mentioned only sparsely in the Old Testament. Who is this Satan, and why did he confront Jesus in the wilderness? You won't believe the answer to this question. This chapter includes the temptation of Jesus. Jesus begins his ministry. The first disciples. Jesus heals the multitudes. Chapter 4 Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry afterward. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Then the devil took him into the holy city. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you don't dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and served him. Now when Jesus heard that John was delivered up, he withdrew into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and lived in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, toward the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness saw a great light. To those who sat in the region in shadow of death, to them light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Walking by the sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them. They immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. The report about him went out into all Syria. They brought to him all who were sick, afflicted with various diseases and torments, possessed with demons, epileptics and paralytics, 
and he healed them. Great multitudes from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan followed him. So, who exactly is Satan? In Hebrew, the word Satan means adversary. It can refer to an enemy in battle, a political opponent, or to anyone who is working against someone else. The angel of Yahweh, when he blocked the path of the prophet Balaam's donkey in Numbers chapter 22, was called Satan. Likewise, David, before he became king, was referred to by the Philistines as a potential Satan. In the book of Job, a person known as the Satan challenges God over Job's righteousness. And by the time of Jesus, anyone whose will stood opposite the purposes of God could be called Satan. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus rebukes his chief follower, Simon Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. By these examples, Satan could be literally anyone, and was a title more than a proper name. Satan is an attitude, not any single individual. So who was it that confronted Jesus in the wilderness to challenge his parentage and purpose? Whoever it was, it must have been someone who had a great interest in knowing who Jesus' true father really was. Forty days earlier, Jesus had received his baptism, and a voice from heaven claimed Jesus to be his son. This happened publicly, and forty days was certainly enough time for word to spread about this son of God who had been baptized in the river Jordan. Thirty years previously, a carpenter named Joseph intended to divorce his bride quietly because she was already pregnant, claiming that she had conceived by the Holy Spirit. In a dream, an angel confirmed this claim. Joseph knew that he was the heir of the royal bloodline of King David, so much so that he relocated himself and his wife to Bethlehem, just to make sure that their firstborn son would be born in the town predicted by the prophet Micah to be the birthplace of the Jewish Messiah. For thirty years, Joseph swallowed his pride and raised this son of the Holy Spirit as he had been instructed by that angel. And now, it was whispered in the hills that a man had been baptized in the river Jordan, with the voice of God coming from above, claiming to be Jesus' father. So, if all of this was true, then naturally, this would be a good time to confront this Son of God and get some answers. Surely a man, who is literally the Son of God, might be able to offer some proof of his actual parentage. After all, did the scriptures really say that the Messiah would be the Son of God? Wasn't the Messiah supposed to be the son of David? And wasn't Joseph the rightful heir of this covenant promise? 
Did Jesus really want to throw all of that away, insisting on the blasphemous claim that he was the Son of God? Wouldn't it be more sensible for Jesus to claim Joseph as his true father? This was a very real temptation. If Jesus just kept quiet about this son of God nonsense and simply bowed down to Joseph as his true biological father, presenting a united front with dad, then the Jewish temple priesthood might have gone along with that story, admitting that Jesus was indeed the son of David, predicted by prophecy, especially if Jesus could produce signs to prove his anointed status. It would all be so much easier. But Jesus denies all three of his adversaries' temptations, replying instead with quotations from the book of Deuteronomy, a book written down by his ancient namesake, Joshua, son of Nun. Perhaps this incident in the wilderness was the reason why Joseph's name had been completely erased from the gospel narrative following Jesus' childhood. While he may have been, as Matthew claims, a righteous man when he first learned about Mary's pregnancy, a lot can change over 30 years, and it seems that the long wait for answers had finally pushed him over the edge. William Shakespeare calls jealousy the green-eyed monster, and perhaps he was not far off. After passing the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus begins his ministry, and Matthew offers another quotation from the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, toward the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. To those who sat in the region and shadow of death, to them light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode, where we will be reading Matthew chapters 5 and 6, which begin the famous Sermon on the Mount. You are definitely not going to want to miss it. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.